0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's tour catch-up...
1: Yelena Ostapenko wins her first title since 2019.
0: Cam Norrie finds his mojo in Delray Beach.
1: And Novak Djokovic breaks his silence on events in Australia.
0: Kim. Today is the 21st of February and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Passing Shot HQ, specially backed by our crowdfunders Preeta Christensen and Conan Minnick. We have had a lot of tennis over the last week. We have got so much more tennis to look forward to this week. I think we've got five events including the WTA 1000 event in Doha. So very, very exciting. Lots to talk about as always on the ATP and WTA tours. We've got tennis in Europe, we've got tennis in in South America, the golden swing is still is still swinging away. And whilst all that is going on in the UK, in London, we have been it's been battered down the hatches at the time, hasn't it? With uh, the stormy weather outside.
1: Yes, uh, my fence has fallen down. As as I think many <laughs> have, uh, you know, have had injuries to their I would, fences. Him, I would
0: have been surprised if your fence hadn't fallen down. It's been it's been so blustery.
1: Have you tried playing tennis in Storm units? <laughs> or Storm Franklin, I think, was the next one. Yeah, it's been, been a bit rubbish. I've been cooped up. I've tested positive for COVID, so I haven't been able to go anywhere. So I've, I've definitely seen brighter days. But, you know, Rafa's back in action this week, which is putting a smile on my face. And, uh, you know, the tennis season, obviously, has been uh, something to distract myself with. Uh, we've got lots to discuss um, throughout this episode. Uh, apologies in advance if I lose my train of thought my mind is a bit uh scatty i think with with covid so um we'll do our best uh to get through <laughs> but um yeah what what's been your highlight of this week joe i mean there's so much to catch up on i feel like we've got tournaments left right and center Shall we start with the ladies uh out in dubai i think
0: yeah i mean this was a result i was not expecting i mean this was a final i was not expecting yelena ostapenko kuda in the final, Ostapenko winning 6-love, six 6-4. Six Unbelievable, given the, the run that Ostapenko had to go on just to even get to the final. You know, she beat four Grand Slam champions en route. Uh, she beat Simona Hallett in the semi-finals. She beat Petra Kvitova as well. She beat Barbora Kachikova. And she also beat Sofia Kenin uh, in the first round. So, It was a very, very impressive run just to even get to the final. So, yeah, very, very, very impressive victory from her. I mean, we'd speak about her normally as a a player who, you know, won her Grand Slam title back in, in 2017, the French Open. We all remember it, but has not really lived up to the billing since then. But slowly but surely, she's climbed her way back up. And I think with this result, she's on the cusp of getting back into the top 10, which, Considering where I feel like we've been at with Yelena Ostapenko over the last few seasons, that that feels like a, a very very big achievement.
1: Absolutely, I think um, she is one of those players that, on her day, will be able to beat multiple mm. Grand Slam champions on the trot. And uh, we just haven't, we don't see it very often, do no. we? She's so up and down. We've said that many a time before. It's the consistency that's that's her issue. Because on her day, when she when she's on, she you know firing on all cylinders. She's very, very hard to beat, which Kudemeshva found in the final. You know, 6-love, six 6-4 six in the final. So very convincing. And actually, Ostapenko is now going to be back up to, I think, her highest ranking since, well, 2018. So in she's a long time. back in the top 15 again. Um, I know she had quite a decent grass court season last year. She got to the final in Eastbourne. Um, I think actually she... Did she win Eastbourne last year? Um I think she did, but this is her, her first hard-court title in in a while um, and her biggest title in a while. So um, I'm pleased for her. You know, she's one of those players that, although inconsistent, I, f- I find I do gravitate towards um, quite liking her. I enjoy watching her. <laughs>
0: she's a big character, isn't she? And uh, I think we've known about her big ball-striking capabilities. And uh, as you said, I think when she does have those days... She is very much unplayable. And what was so impressive, I think, with this tournament was the fact that, you know, in order to win this title, she had to do that consistently day in, day out and play to the highest level to defeat some very, very tough opponents. And the way that she did it was very, very impressive in particular that semi final against simona halep i mean she was down a set it was in the the tie break in the second set she just did not let it phase her and it was amazing for me to see that she went from losing that first set six, six, 6-2 going into that tie break she bagelled the tie break and then bagelled the third set against uh, you know someone of simona halep's caliber who i think has been playing pretty well since um you know, this season, apart from, you know, that result against Elise Cornet in the the Australian Open. So yeah, she's playing very, very well and seems to have got that consistency that I she's definitely has been lacking, I think, over the last few seasons. And I think I think she's also got that focus back as well. I think, you know, I've seen her play matches where it just feels it's been a bit too carefree. You know, she's been going for winners and, you know, she's still, I think, hitting quite a few unforced errors but i feel like she's got a bit of purpose about her now and you know i think she's she's now 10 and 3 um in 2022 she's only the fifth woman to hit uh double digit uh wins on the tour this year so far so it shows it's not just this tournament she's doing it um she's been you know putting the victories together over the last few months now and you know given i think her versatility as well you know we, we've spoken about her you know a big breakthrough i guess was on the you know the clay in, at the french open but she's certainly a player i think who you know it, it, she doesn't really you know i think her her, her her brand of tennis i think translates quite well to all the different court surfaces so i certainly don't think you know being in the top 10 again is is out of reach and you know it's just been so impressive i think given you know what we've seen i think of of Grand Slam single Grand Slam champions and you know where they where they've gone to come back to show that fighting spirit I think has just been yeah really really impressive from her.
1: I wonder if Halep in the semi-final was thinking back to that French Open final because I think she was a set mm. up in that and then obviously Ostapenko came back and and won uh, all those years ago so I mean great week also for de Metva. I know she got a walkover in the semi-final but she had you know, wins over Muguruza um, as well. So, you know, also getting... And Azarenka, so wins over more Slam champions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so great week for her. I think, obviously, when it came down to it, I think on, on their day, Osterpengo has has more firepower if she is channeling it in, in the right way um, and is consistent. But I think th- the shocking thing, Joel, really, that I think has been picked up on... Uh, you know, on Twitter and and everywhere and the like, is the prize money of this tournament. Um, Because, you know, we we have the men's event also, you know, in Dubai. Um, And if you look at the winner of the men's singles versus the winner of the women's singles for essentially an equivalent tournament, uh, the men are getting over five times more than the women's singles winner, um, which is just preposterous you know we talk about getting you know same the same prize money at at slams but that's not necessarily the case for you know atp and wta events there's there's no consistency sometimes it's you know to such a vast extent as as evidenced here
0: yeah definitely i think you know the 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 money equality debate has i think for a long time just been focused on the the grand slams and actually you know that's what for four events in the in the year um actually there's lots of other events uh you know on the tour and it's these events where there can be yeah big big disparities going on um and it's sort of surprising because you know at grand slam you know though there i you know for some people there will be that argument of yeah the men play best of 5 and the women play best of 3 but on the tour everyone plays best of 3 so you would in in that in that in that rationale Um, you could argue that, well, shouldn't shouldn't they be getting equal, you know, equal prize money? And yes, I understand that there are different tiers of of events, you know, two fifties, five hundreds, etc. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it it feels like that that distribution or that that ratio is just just crazy. I mean, for for the the women's singles champion, Yelena Ostapenko, she got $104,180, whilst that the men's champion got $523,740. So that is a big, big disparity there. And and I'm sure that there is, you know, there is reasoning behind that. I don't know if COVID was a a factor with kind of, money uh, being able to be distributed but certainly in the you know in 2022 this you know this doesn't necessarily feel right and if the ATP and WTA I think are going to be working closer uh, together in the future and collaborating more I certainly think that when they look at events that have a men's you know a men's edition and a women's edition in you know in the season they should be looking at you know what what is that gap and whether and whether there should be a gap, because for a lot of people, including myself, I'm a bit like there should be a gap, really. If it's if they're both playing best of three, then but why is there a gap?
1: Yeah, the argument for oh men mm. play more tennis at slams, like that's completely irrelevant Does not yeah, work. At, at these no. other tournaments when no. they're playing exactly the same length matches. Well, you know, not exactly the same, but potentially the same. So, yeah, I just think it's ludicrous. You know, I've got Djokovic is, you know, playing as we're recording this in his first match. Uh, of the year and you know it's sort of like well if he goes on and wins the tournament yeah he's he's earning five times more than poor old elena Ostapenko, who you know
0: and just to add to that kim as well what one of my bugbears i've noticed i think with this season particularly on the wta side is where are the WTA tour tournaments you know i think one of the reasons you know the it was such a quality field uh, in dubai which was a 500 was there's just been very few events it feels like particularly kind of post australian open for the for the women certainly compared to the men i think so far there've been um, you know up to up to this week there've been 15 atp tour events but there's only been seven wta tour events so again i feel like as well as a, a distribution in terms of prize money that potentially needs to be looked at there also needs to be a, dis- a a look at the distribution in terms of events because there is just not it doesn't feel like there's enough events at the moment and if i'm a player that's ranked 30 to 50 in the world i'm i'm probably thinking how am i meant to get into these draws it shouldn't feel like they should be doing qualifying they should should probably feel like they should be you know getting in on on direct entry but it just seems that there's just not enough uh, availability I think particularly on the, the women's side at the moment
1: yeah it's it's really strange how the calendars are so vastly different mm. and I don't it's think it's really
0: obvious at the moment
1: I don't think normally they play in you know like China and those sorts of places at, at this time of the year you know because that's later in the season so I'm, I'm trying to think you know where the, the obvious gap is um, but I mean I guess it's COVID, the financial situation, many reasons. But, yeah, it's, it seems a bit sparse on one side and, and jam-packs on the other. And, I mean, just evidence by today, you know, we've got several men's tournaments to talk about from last week and, you know, only to buy only for the women. So, I mean, without further ado, Joel, I mean, we do have um, the men's tournaments to talk about. So, shall we start going on to them? Because we had um, the Rio Open uh, you know, part of the Golden Swing out in Brazil, uh, ATP 500 event, uh, and this was won by Carlos Alcaraz, his second title on the tour. Um, very comfortable in the final against Diego Schwartzman, six four, um, six two. But he had to overcome, you know, some some well fairly tough challenges en route. He got his revenge against Berrettini Bertini, in yeah. the quarterfinals uh, after the AO uh, had a long match. Well. Well, not so much a long match, but just a bit of a topsy turvy match against Xiaomi Munar in the first round. Came through Delbonis, also win over Fornini and then Schwartzman in the final. So uh, nice to see Carlos Alcaraz getting another title in his his young career.
0: Yeah, I mean, this kid is <laughs> this kid is unbelievable, isn't it? Every every tournament, I think we're expecting fireworks and and now he is he is delivering um it's it's quite interesting actually because he has actually already kind of pulled out of uh uh acapulco where rafa is citing fatigue which i thought was quite interesting because he's only played like two events but both those events the australian open and uh the rio open yeah he has well and truly delivered and in that final against schwartzman yeah it was uh very very impressive i watched a bit of it last night Schwarzman I think started started well um I think he he actually broke um broke him at the first opportunity but from then on Carlos Alcaraz just got a grip on the the match and was able to to come through it um you know this tournament was um hindered a little bit by rain um you know Schwarzman had to play two two he had to play his quarter final and semi final in one day I think he spent over five and a half hours on on court. And I think Alcaraz as well similarly had to spend quite a bit of time on court. So I think that was a factor going into the final. Um and you know, for Schwartzman, I think he actually said, you know, his match against Anderha was three sets six four in the third. He said if he wasn't given enough time to to prepare for for Serendolo in the semis, he was just going to concede a walkover. But he was able to kind of get out there and, and get the win. But I certainly think the the amount of mileage he had to put in in one day to get to the final, perhaps you know perhaps um you know perhaps went against him in that final. And again, I think it just shows with Alcaraz that 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 fitness that we've spoken about. I think that he's certainly worked on over the off off season we could see it in the uh the sleeveless top in the in the biceps in the the muscle department but i certainly think that's probably helped him um in this tournament when he's had to deal with rain delays playing more matches than necessarily he would have liked in in one day so yeah for him to come through is just very very impressive kim all i would say is why isn't he playing more tennis i feel like you know I'm a young guy. I played two tournaments. I think two events this season. He shouldn't be fatigued already, should he?
1: Well, two matches in one day though. I Yeah. You know, that that can take a lot out of you maybe like mentally as well and maybe he's just being extra cautious and you know, why why burn yourself out too early in the season as well, you know, he 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 has his whole career ahead of him so i True. guess yeah. he's thinking about it in in that respect as well so uh, but yeah nice that um the other Serendolo uh did quite well <laughs> I, I shouldn't call him that i know he has a first name Fra- francisco Fra- Francis- Fra- francisco Fran- yeah. Yeah. yes sorry it's not juan ignacio <laughs>
0: <laughs> no juan um,
1: manuel well. Uh, Juan Manuel, you're who, thinking who's of Londero. You're thinking oh. of
0: Londero.
1: Oh gosh,
0: all the Argentinians. Yeah, um, yeah. I always think sort of, I don't know if I just assume Juan Manuel Serendolo is the better one. Maybe I'm completely wrong, listeners. If you're Serendolo fans, who is the, who would you say is the better brother? I think it's Juan Manuel. So to see his brother get to the semifinals, I would definitely be a. Uh, I'd definitely be on WhatsApp to him just to let just to let him know that, uh you know, yeah, I could I could still do the business. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been pretty, pretty impressive from him, to be fair. I think he made the most of being in that part of the draw because I think I can't remember who it was, who was the second seed, but they dropped out and a lucky loser came in. So it was a nice open part of the draw. But yeah, he certainly made the, the most of it.
1: I'm just waiting for the Hollywood film on the um, (laughs) Serendolo brothers now. (laughs) Um, But yes, we should... um... Yeah, I mean we'll I'll I'll follow what Juan Manuel can do next week, maybe or this week <laughs> in response. Um but that's going away from the golden swing. We have some other events, obviously, from the men's tour to catch up on. We had Delray Beach uh, out in Florida, which is an outdoor hardcore event, two fifty. Um good news for British fans, Cam Norrie won it, um, which was great because, you know, he had a bit of a shaky start to the season but I think this was really the starting point of his season proper um he's ticked off you know winning another title it's now his third ATP title and um there's only one way to do it isn't there in the final against Riley (laughs) Opelka and that is with tie breaks
0: (laughs) I know it was well surprise surprise big shot I mean Riley Opelka's story of his tournament was just how many how many tie breaks am i going to play kim and i believe kim we actually had a little bet with ourselves last episode and i said six tie breaks i did it wasn't bang on six i think he had eight in total but i certainly was the closest um so a little little victory a <laughs> little victory for me but uh yeah i think for for cam nori that was a very very impressive and i think quite an awkward win against you know Apelka. you know it not it's very hard i think to win two tie breaks in a row against him you always sort of feel that if you're going to play two tie breaks you're probably going to split them and, and maybe it'll go to a third but um yeah it was very very impressive he did have break point opportunities so maybe he will feel a little bit kind of disappointed it was a little bit more routine than it was um feel like you always kind of leave it up to the tie break gods if uh if it gets to kind of six all in the set but yeah very 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 good from him i mean it was great i think to see him yeah, reignite, um reignite the, you know, his season, you know, because as I said, it just started so flat and I don't know what's happened. But, yeah, it's been much, much better. Um I think certainly that win in the quarterfinals against Seb Korda, remember in, in the Australian Open, he was just nowhere against Seb Korda um in his first round uh, match in, in Melbourne. But here he came through in a in a nice three set victory in a final set tie break. So for me that was a, a big kind of turning point. Tommy Paul in the semi-finals as well, quite routine. So yeah, really, really impressive stuff from Cam to come back. Top seed as well. There's always going to be that added added pressure and coming through all these americans in their um home country game will do him a world of confidence particularly with indian wells coming up where he's defending champion
1: yeah i was gonna say he's timing it quite nicely for indian Mm. wells getting a bit of confidence and and some match wins under his belt um (laughs) the um funny thing i wanted to talk about from this tournament though joel was the um the car on the court, um, really random and probably quite dangerous. I don't know if any of our listeners uh, saw much of of Delray Beach, but essentially there was a big uh, what was it? A BMW uh, plonked on the court, um, some sponsor, sort of car, uh, yeah, some sort of maybe sponsor. not a BMW. Car. I don't know. I it was some a...
0: American. I'm going to assume it was some American car oh, okay. brand, like a, Chev- yeah. a Chevrolet. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed uh, Stefan Kozlov actually hit the car, Kim. I don't know if that's going to come out of his prize money or he's going to get a notification from the ATP saying you're going to be fined for that, that dent he put in the car. But, (laughs) um, yeah, it was sort of, it was sort of for me awkwardly placed because. You know, I I get that we get. You know, we've had in the past. Uh, you, I think we were talking before the pod about the the Porsche Cup in in Stuttgart. Always had like a a BMW. Uh, sorry, a Porsche on uh, a BMW. <laughs> a Porsche. What am I about?
1: Well, there's the BMW Open in Munich. That's probably why I was yeah. saying BMW.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, that always had a Porsche on the court. But and you always won it if you were, uh, you know, if you if you won the title. But it was always sort of like on a platform. I felt in the corner, whereas this one. It literally just looks like it's parked in the corner. And it just gave me flashbacks to when Medvedev ran into that camera in, I can't remember where it was. Was it Miami or or Cincinnati? One of the, one of those masters. And he was just like, this is in a dangerous place on a, on a tennis court. And I was just looking at this car and just thinking, this is inevitably just going to get hit by someone. I just hope there was going to be, yeah, no accident. But, um, yeah, the fact that Kozlov, I think dented the car just shows that. It should have been on a raised platform at the very least for me.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It was just sort of really awkwardly parked and obvious product placement. I mean, they're, they're the sponsor, I guess, or whatever. But it's just, yeah. If you, in... I hope
0: Cam wins that car with the the Stefan the Kozlov, dent. the dent in it. Yeah, <laughs> and then he, I would actually, I would actually uh, next match. If I if, next match, I play against Kozlov. Uh, if I'm if I'm Cam Nori, I'll be uh, I'll be reminding him. I'll be giving him the bill. I'll be giving him the bill at the net.
1: <laughs> you dented my car, mate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I mean, Riley Apelka will just be gutted that he didn't, I guess, win it. Um, and didn't manage to win those tie breaks well, in the final because I think well. he'll be
0: gutted, Kim. He's gonna be gutted he just didn't play tie breaks all the way all the way through. I feel like this is gonna be a inevitable story that with Apelka for his for, you know, that's gonna probably be with him now, right, for his career. You know, he's gonna be known as the new john isner even though i think that's a bit unfair because i think he moves very very well for a really tall man from the back of the court and he you know he showed that in the in the final he's not just uh you know a big server and uh you know come to the net and try and kill off the point you know he certainly can play from the back of the court as well um so i wouldn't necessarily put him in the, you know that Ivo Karlovic sort of category.
1: He just needs to learn how to return serve Mm. I think Um, and interestingly I think we saw Apelka against Milman at Queen's last year or at least I did Mm. and um, I remember that ending with Pelka getting really angry at something uh, and losing I think he did but yeah that was three three tie breaks in that semi-final.
0: He's playing really good tennis at the moment I think he got Mm. to the I mean, he did, he went quite far in, in Dallas last week as I think he got to the, to get to the semis, but with that, that match against John Isner. um, So yeah, he's playing, I mean, he's finding his groove on the the American hardcourt. So um, yeah, I mean, was it was, I think, were you a bit, were you a bit, because he was meant to play Rafa, I think, in, in Acapulco first round. And I think he's pulled out again, I think citing fatigue, given all of these exertions over the last couple of weeks. Would you... Would you say that's a bit of a bonus for for Rafa? I mean, that would have been quite a difficult matchup for me if you know, having not played since um you know Australian Open final.
1: Yeah, um, Rafa's now got Dennis Kudler as a lucky mm. loser, so yeah, I think that's a better draw for Rafa. <laughs> but Dennis Kudler is a massive server, so you know, on his day, also if he's serving extremely well, can be quite difficult. Um, and actually, I think Riley Apelka won against Isner in Dallas. I th- did did Apelka uh win i'm, the tournament, I see, I'm I just think. morphing them yeah. i'm just
0: morphing between <laughs> the two of them they just they just blur into um, one person for just me. Like, i'm
1: sure he won won the tournament but um yeah i think um i mean good on john millman for getting to a semi-final as well because i always think of Mill- millman as like the ultimate journeyman on tour and um do journeymen get to semi-finals i guess they do sometimes well you had a good win um, against
0: dimitrov in the the quarter he did
1: he did yeah um no, well done, John, and well done, Cam Norrie. Um, let's have a look at Marseille, because uh, we also had an uh, indoor hard event in France. And uh, Now, this was, I was a bit annoyed about this result, to be fair, because I thought Felix, OJ was going to be like a London bus and win, you know, two titles on the trot, but it wasn't to be. He's reverted back. <laughs> I know, to- I was just thinking... To his old ways. I think everyone
0: oh. is thinking that. I think all tennis fans are thinking that now, aren't they? Probably rather unfairly, given I mean, Felix Oja aliassime is probably up with Carlos Alcaraz, probably one of the most informed player on the tour on the tour at the moment. So yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to see him fall in straight sets to Rublev in the in the final. I mean, they have such similar brands of tennis, don't they? I feel, you know, like aggressive from the back of the court um, big forehands. I was wondering whether it was going to come down to their you know their double-handed backhands and who's was going to break down more easily and I think FAA's broke down more I think FAA's was a little bit weaker on on that front but from the stats actually the the biggest difference was his second serve which um, was not getting many points for for Oja I think it was only at kind of 30 percent whereas Rublev was at, uh, I think 50-55%. So, um, yeah, I think it was a serve potentially that, that let him down in that final. Wasn't, I don't think it was like a mental block or anything like that. I think we can now agree that we're sort of over that. I just think, I just think Rublev just played the better tennis on the day.
1: Yeah, I think um, Felix had had some chances, but, you know, um, wasn't able to take them as well. Like he had a set point in, in the second set and, um, you know, it was a breakdown of the up. sorry, in the first set. But Rublev was very mentally tough and it showed that all week, to be honest. He had a few matches where he had to, to claw his way back against Gasquet. He was 5-2 down in, in the third set. Against Luca Pui was a breakdown in the second set. I'm sorry, in the third set. And, um, you know, went three against Benjamin Bonzi as well. So he um, really had to fight his way through. And obviously that, that helped in the final when it, when it came to a fight with, with Felix. But, yeah, up until that point, Felix had been, you know, winning in straight sets all the way through. So I thought, oh, you know, he's going to dominate men's tennis now that he's won his first title. <laughs> but He's going to win
0: every event <laughs> he plays in for now and forever.
1: <laughs> well, um... I found out that he had the same birthday as Roger Federer but just obviously like 20 years later. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a sign. This is mm. the start of greatness. Um, but perhaps, you know, slightly still a bit more delayed. But, you know, he it shouldn't be a mental block, I guess. He's now, he's got the monkey off his back, hasn't he? So uh, I think Rublev was just, yeah, better on the day.
0: Kim, what is unfortunate for Rublev and also for Cam Norrie? Is that they're playing each other uh, in in Dubai? Uh, they're both they're both champions this week, and um, one of them is going to be going out in round one uh, in Dubai uh, this week, um, which feels quite unfortunate because yeah, they're both playing very very good tennis. I think both of them actually, um, Rublev included, had sort of rocky starts to the season. I think what Rublev had a positive COVID test out in Australia, which I don't think started him on the right foot, and I think he fell quite meekly in the uh you know in, in Melbourne he probably would have pro- wanted to progress a little bit further than he did. So it's great, I think, to see both of them kind of get their seasons back on track. Um because I do think Rublev has been sort of wobbling over the last over the last few months. So it was nice for him, I think, to to get to get the win. I know that they have like a, a friendly rivalry, him and and FAA. I think FAA beat beat Rublev in the, the semis in, in Rotterdam um, you know a few weeks ago so um for him yeah again to get revenge was was very very good and um yeah i think we'll we'll have to wait and see but yeah i think both rublev and nori back on the back on the back on the win- winners path
1: yeah i mean rublev will be hoping to get back on the uh, 500 events winners path because that was sort of <laughs> his domain wasn't it and it's been mm. a while since he's he's actually won a title so maybe this will spark off his old ways uh, as well but um yeah sits pass had a bit of a Dodgy loss to Roman Safulin. But I mean, Safulin was very good, wasn't he, at the ATP Cup? So he's one of those sort of players that's kind of coming out a bit uh, onto the tour and making more of a bit more of a name for himself. So um, not a great, great week for Sits Pass fans. Uh, but yeah, good for Rublev. Uh, solid week from FAA. I would imagine Rublev's going to win that one over Norrie. But I mean, I think Norrie would be the fresher of the two but would have had further to travel to Dubai. I don't know. Uh, I think it could be quite a tight one, but I I would give Rebev the edge.
0: And we had also the Qatar Open in Doha for the men, ATP 250 event, Roberto Bautista Agut winning the final against Baslashvili 6-3, 6-4. I mean, Kim, I feel the story story of this tournament was just Roberto Bautista Agut on a warpath uh, through all all that faced him, including I would I hate to say Andy Murray uh, in his first match in the second round, obliterated him six love six one. Then obliterated David Davidovich Fakina six one six one. Kachinov, yep yeah, defeated him in three. Kachanov probably gave him the, the biggest test of the week, but again, the final was just back to roberto Bautista Agut being Roberta Bautista Agut and winning six three six four. So um yeah it was uh again a very dominant performance throughout the week aside from the, the that catching of semi-final
1: yeah and this was a repeat of the final I think from last year but it was just a you know reverse result because I think Basilashvili won this last year but um, Bautista Agut has won this particular title in 2019 so it's got two titles in Doha and um, his 10th title overall I think it was so um you know he's one of those players that is there or thereabouts and can, you know, this is sort of his sort of tournament, isn't it? Where he can just kind of come through and yeah, like you said, obliterating Andy Murray. I mean, a bit you were pleased though, as a Murray fan, that he'd got his revenge over Taro Daniel in the first yeah. round at, at the very least. <laughs> yeah, it did. It,
0: uh, I, yeah, it did. That was a good, you know, that was a good victory. I liked how easy it was as well. Um, it looked very, very comfortable. Still feel like you know. Th- he sort of is, you know, like today, um, you know, against Christopher O'Connell, sort of, you know, these opponents where I feel like he should be winning in an, you know, an hour getting off the court, focusing on the next match. Um, he's actually sort of, struggling to get over the line of and it might go three might end in a final set tiebreak, like um you know or he's spending lots of extra minutes on court like um you know today against o'connell so it was nice to see him pick up a straightforward victory um against tarry daniel but yeah that um yeah that loss to uh rba would have been pretty demoralizing i imagine you know there are not many times you can say andy murray loses six love six one i always remember kim that 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 match he had against Roger Federer at the uh when it was called the World Tour Finals i believe um many many years ago when it, i think he was in the semi-finals he just got absolutely absolutely smoked but um yeah was not it was not great to see but rba was just you know he was just he was just on a warpath he was just playing such good tennis and i think you know in the context of the week looking back on his other results it just, I think, it just shows you the level you know he was playing at, and for you know Andy, I think it'll be a disappointment that well, first of all, he couldn't make that match competitive, but it probably also showed him just how far you know he still needs to go in order to be competitive at the you know at the very very top ends of the you know the ATP rankings.
1: Yeah, definitely, and um, just another note on on British players, I suppose. Dan Evans had a disappointing week; uh, he lost to. Alejandro davidovic Fakina in three sets. So he would have liked to have gone a bit further, um, to say the least. But, you know... And Malik um, Yaziri
0: lost as well in the first round, which is obviously equally bad, disappointing.
1: Bad results for Joel all <laughs> round, isn't it? And, and Shababalov lost to Arta Rind- Rindenech. Mm. So, um, yeah, he's a, another name that I've, has been, I guess... On the tongue of many tennis fans, perhaps yeah, I've, I've noticed he's had a few results here and there, hasn't he? Rindenek, he's had quite a good start to the year.
0: And David Goffan also just not have not in a good way at the moment. He lost, I think he lost as well today, lost to Rusevori in round one in in Doha. So yeah, he's he's obviously he's in a deep slump at the moment. And and Botich van der Zandt, Kim's just tested positive for COVID, so he's out of. I think he's out of uh, out of Dubai, <laughs> out of Dubai as well. So oh, yeah, not. Not great for a lot of those players at the half. Uh, no.
1: He's come out in, in sympathy with myself and, and the Queen. The Queen has COVID. So know, we're, all we're the in, best people
0: are catching it right now. We're right?
1: keeping royal company, me, <laughs> botich and Queen Elizabeth. Um, right, Let's take a quick break now, but do join us in the second half where we'll be having a look at Novak Djokovic breaking silence in his BBC interview, Alex de Menor's vaccination situation, as well as previewing all of this week's action, including Rafa's return and also Emma Radaghanou back in action so do not go anywhere welcome back to the passing shop with joel and kim sponsored by downloadtennis.com and now we're going to move on to i think par for the courts joel i think you've got a, a par for the courts up your sleeve for me
0: I do I've got a got a path for the courts for you. We've had too much mysterious player recently, so I've decided to go back to old faithful PFC for you and our listeners post Australian Open. Uh listeners, if you if you don't know what path for the courts is, it's basically I'm going to give Kim a topic in tennis and I'm going to set a pass score and we're going to see if she can meet that pass score without giving me a wrong answer so kim are you are you ready for your your path for the court
1: path for the courts for this week go for it ready
0: okay this is this is an interesting one because i've 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 just gone on the wta website and was thinking what could i do what could i do for a path of the courts uh game and i've come up with this i would like you to tell me um, there are Sorry, I would like you to tell me the, as many as you can, top 10 American ranked ladies in the current WTA rankings. So as of the rankings today, the 21st of February, I would like you to tell me who is in the top 10 Americans in the WTA rankings.
1: I feel like we had a similar question, but for American men, didn't we? Uh, Not so long ago. Or there was something, but I, I'm better with the women. I we think, could, I think I'll we get could. We could. Okay. I think I'll get more women. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to
0: set the pass score. I think this is quite. I think this is quite doable. But I think there are also a few red herrings out there. But I'm going to be quite. I'm going to be quite tight to make this quite, quite difficult. I'm going to say. I'm going to say eight out of ten.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know, I was thinking about seven or eight. I think I could get eight. I think I can ooh, do it. Okay. okay. Right. Okay.
0: Right. So what are you what are you going to go for first? Now remember because I know in the past you've been very very confident about going blasé with all the niche answers first and and you've just you know you've you've ruined yourself. So what are you what are you going to go what are you going to go for first this time? Uh
1: is it no particular order it doesn't have to no, be. No it doesn't have okay. to be. Yeah. Right. So first up I'm going to go for Danielle Collins. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Correct. Yes. Danielle Collins uh, is uh, the number one top ranked American at the moment. Surprise, surprise. Just outside the top 10.
1: Uh, Madison Keys.
0: Correct. Yes. She is the number fourth ranked American at 29.
1: Uh, Jessica Pegula or Pegula, however you say it.
0: Correct. The billion, the billion dollar princess uh, is in there. Um, She is uh, ranked uh, the number, number two American. Yep. She's uh, her world ranking is number 17. So that's, that's three.
1: Okay. Uh, Amanda Inisimova.
0: Correct. Yes, you are right. Uh, She is the number fifth ranked American on the WTA tour.
1: Oh, there's definitely a few I'm forgetting. Uh, <laughs> Sh- Shelby Rogers.
0: <laughs> Correct. Yes, Shelby Rogers is there. She lost today. I can't remember who she lost to, but she lost today. But, yeah, she is in there. She is ranked just inside the top 50 at number 46.
1: Um, I suppose. Oh, I don't know if this person. I suppose they're still. she so got
0: five. So I'm looking for yeah. three. three more.
1: So I want to say Serena Williams but I don't know if her rankings like actually, you know, massively dropped. So I'm actually I'm going to say Jennifer Brady first.
0: Jennifer Brady? Mm. <laughs>
1: Incorrect, oh, Kim.
0: What? That is incorrect.
1: Okay, but a year ago, she would have been. Her ranking must have really dropped. Oh. Yes,
0: it's dropped considerably. Jennifer okay. Brady is at 145.
1: Oh, wow. I did not In the rankings. That. Yeah. Okay. Um, so
0: well, you have oh, not achieved
1: half of the ports.
0: But if you had said to me, Coco Goff, yes, she's the number three ranked American at 23. Is Serena um, Williams still? Serena Williams is absolutely nowhere in sight. Oh, um, it works. <laughs> so no. Um,
1: Van Der there Way. are
0: there are four others, and they're all are oh, the, the, the lowest runs.
1: Sophia Kennan.
0: No, Sophia oh. Kennan isn't in there. She is ranked eighty-nine. Um, Stevens. She's number twelve. Sloane Stephens is correct. Oh, yes,
1: I thought she was still lower down.
0: At fifty-seven. So the three left are ranked at 52, 58 and 60. One of them is one of your favourites. Uh, you keep talking about on the podcast all the time. Do I? Um, another one is a, a little bit of a clue. A grass court specialist. Alison Risk. There you go. There you go. Alison Risk. Yes. Um, so the two others. Any Any? Any? Any thoughts? Any final what? thoughts?
1: All I can think of is is Caroline Dolhyde. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't even know if she's American. Her name just came into my head. Um, oh, God. Coco Vanderwey? No. Uh, I don't know. No. Uh, it's completely gone.
0: So, we had Danielle Collins, Jessica Begula, Coco Goff, Madison Keys, Amanda Anasimova, Shelby Rogers, Alison Risk... Sloane Stevens. Anne Lee. Oh, Anne Lee. Anne Lee. <laughs> oh, and finally, at number sixty, Madison Brengel.
1: Really? <laughs> <Yes>. Oh wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I would never have said her as yeah. being you know above Serena Williams or what have you. Yeah. Wow. So um yeah, no, Jennifer
0: Brady, yeah, was a for me was a was a red herring. Sophia Kennan also A red herring. Um, Kennan also, I think, is just in a real bad funk at the moment, along with Svitolina. Lauren Davis also just outside. Um, But yeah, Kim, I'm afraid you did not. You did not reach par for the courts this week.
1: Oh, I failed. No, I'm sure um, (laughs) that was a very difficult one. It's um, if you don't keep up to date with Mm. all of the ups and downs, like you don't realize people like Brady. You know, go so yeah far down so quickly i think she's
0: been in a moon boot or on crutches the last six months or so um mm. yeah i think I yeah think she's, she's um injured. yeah
1: but anyway we do have a mailbag this week as well um so we have uh, a mailbag question from uh emily who contacted us on email Saying uh, hi, Joel and Kim. Loved your chat last week about Amelie Moresbo working as a coach on the men's tour. Um, which past or present female players would you like to see coach on the ATP tour in the future, and who would you have them coach and why? So uh, it's a great question. I oh, that's that's a tricky one because we don't really see, do we? You know, female female players or ex female players coaching on the men's tour so it's it's quite a unique situation but obviously something that we should be seeing more of i would imagine um have you got any thoughts on that Joel who would you go for
0: yeah i i've been thinking about this song and hard i would i always have gone for thinking of a men's player with a rubbish shot in their in their arsenal um in their tool bag and uh Thinking of of a female equivalent who actually has one of the best of those shots uh, in their in their tool bag. So I have gone for the I've, so I've gone for Matteo Berrettini as the ATP player specifically for his double handed backhand, which I think needs so much so much more work um, if he wants to um, if he harbors hopes of of maybe getting to a grand slam final or, or going even higher up the rankings. So. Got Matteo Berrettini and I want his specifically his double handed backhand to be coached by Maria Sharapova. Um I just think she had such a good one of the best double handed backhands I've seen on a tennis court. Um I loved I loved it when it was in full flow. Forget the forget when she did all those like silly left handed forehands. Um her double handed backhand was so good, I thought. Um so if there is one If there is one player that I would like to see coach another player, Um, yeah, Sharapova. Sharapova with Berrettini.
1: Nice. No, I think that's a great shout. I think, um, have we got just a really interesting partnership um, and dynamic? They'd
0: probably talk about fashion, wouldn't they?
1: Well, you know, now he's signed up with Hugo Boss. Yeah, Mm. probably. Um, I've also gone for a Russian player, actually. I've gone for Dinara Savina because... She just stood out in my mind. And I always think of her as a player that, you know, despite the fact she didn't actually get over the finish line at Grand Slam, I always feel like she had a lot of fighting spirit and, and passion and would, would never give up. You know, I remember that French Open where she got through to her first final and she just was down in like pretty much every match and made like remarkable comebacks. And I think that kind of attitude would really benefit someone on the men's tour who perhaps just need a bit of like rejuvenation in their game, a bit of It's perhaps going through a bit of a lacklustre phase. Um, and I know that Sfina, I think has spoken about getting involved in, in coaching, but I think more kind of younger players. Um, so I don't know, maybe someone like a very typical journeyman might, might benefit okay. from a renaissance in their careers. So, Obviously, talking about journeyman, John Millman has just sprung to mind. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe, um, I mean, she speaks Spanish, so perhaps a a Spanish... Uh, okay.
0: What, Jaime Munar?
1: Maybe Jaime Munar. You know, he's quite young still, yeah, and yeah. he's sort of gone into a bit of a like. I pr- mean, the shadow of not...
0: Alcaraz is already being yeah, cast exactly. over him. Yeah, he's, exactly.
1: He's very much a bit stuck, I think. So... Yeah, I'm going. Zhao Maybeu is an excellent suggestion. I think I should get the two of them, you know, together.
0: <laughs> and there's a lot of Spanish players, aren't there? Between a rock and a hard place, between Rafael Nadal and, and, and Carlos Alcaraz, aren't they? Zhao <laughs> always springs to mind. David Davidovich Fakina, probably as well. Um, yep, I'm sure there's. He's I'm sure there's. Yeah. I'm sure there are others, but um, yeah, listeners, let us know Do you, what 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 WTA players would you like to see on the, uh, the ATP tour and who would you, who would you have them coach and why let us, let us know on, uh, on social media.
1: And we do now have uh, some news to catch up on Joel, don't we? Because as we're recording this, Djokovic is actually on court against Lorenzo Massetti. He's a break, uh, well, in a set at a break up as we're recording, but I don't know if any of our listeners watched the BBC interview last week uh, that Amol Rajan did with, with Novak uh, out in Serbia, which was, I guess, recorded slightly, you know, I don't know when exactly they recorded it a few days prior, I think. Um, but yeah, Djokovic kind of came out, was asked some questions about all of the antics in Australia. Um, and he has stated in the interview that he would be prepared to miss out on playing, you know, more Grand Slams, more, more tournaments, if it meant that, you know, um, he did t- didn't have to get the COVID vaccine if, if he he would still put that above playing in these events, which, um, you know, and he seemed quite adamant, didn't he? I mean, yes, he, he could always change his mind should information change. But he said that he would be willing to forego becoming the greatest player in the world ever um, for his beliefs. So yeah. quite... Um, it's quite a bold
0: statement, wasn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I, what what did you make of that and and the interview, you know, as a whole?
0: Mm. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, obviously, I woke up in the morning and I saw, you know, this being on, you know, BBC News, and um, yeah, with that headline, I was again, I was in a, I was a bit surpri- I was a little bit surprised actually. I thought, you know, something like, you know, something like, Rafael Nadal going ahead in the race, you know, might make him reassess the you know the situation and you know to see him i think actually say well actually he can he can do that and if 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 you know grand slams in the future are going to require me to get a vaccine then i'm perfectly happy because my body and my health is my number one priority then you know that that's you know that is on that's on him and you know that's a stance that you know to hear him say so um you know so outwardly yeah it did it did take me take me aback a, bit, a little bit actually cuz i just thought you know maybe naively i just sort of thought after you know what happened in australia that you know novak would be like right i can't rest on this i can't deal with this anymore and you know maybe he would have been more take you know taking a plan of action in terms of um you know getting a vaccine or or doing something that enables him to kind of play these events in the future because yeah in my head it was like, well if he doesn't, who's to say Nadal isn't gonna gonna go um e- you know even further ahead. So I thought it was quite a brave, bold stance to put. I know, you know, his supporters you know very much kind of you know back his his view and you know I did I did you know I did appreciate his humility in the sense that you know he accepts that other people have different positions you know it's interesting to hear him talk about saying i was never against vaccination he's always been about kind of choice and and pro-choice around kind of what you put in your body and we know he's a big kind of health advocate um and i do think that's a an an interesting point because you know i think with elite level athletes um you know i think we've particularly seen in the olympics recently you know that is a very um you know that is a big you know, that's a big part of of being a, an elite level athlete is you know deciding what you put in your body because if you put in the wrong things, it could lead to a ban or you know it could lead to you know not not being able to do you know the sport that you've been designed to do for you know th- over how many how many uh, years. So you know, for me, for him to say that was uh you know I was kind of appreciative of that, but uh yeah, at the same time, it was just a bit kind of shell shocked in terms of how 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 yeah how you know how is like my way or the highway sort of uh you know the way you know he was so affirmative i think in his tone
1: yeah i think it was a good interview i don't know if it was sort of him initiating the interview or the bbc but i think it's good that we heard it from the horse's mouth and he had the opportunity to to speak more in depth about it because you know when he was saying about how he's obviously very careful about what he puts in his body you know he's had all that sort of before when he I think he had a lot of allergies and then he made the decision to you know go gluten free become vegan and you know his health dramatically improved and I think therefore you know he's probably become to some extent quite obsessive and and very controlled about what he is eating and and doing and and obviously taking a vaccine that's you know he to his mind is obviously quite re- relatively new onto the scene maybe he doesn't trust the um, evidence surrounding it as opposed to a vaccine that's been around for 30 years Um, so I think you know it's all part and parcel of that kind of real yeah like obsessiveness about what is going into his body and I mean I was just sort of surprised because in my mind the reason he's so obsessive is in order to prolong his career to have the you know the the longest possible chance to win the most titles and Therefore, it seems that by being so obsessive, but you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because by not taking it, you're preventing yourself from having that longevity potentially. But that's the whole reason why you're so obsessive about your diet and everything. So um, I think in a way in his mind, I think he probably envisages a time where we won't need vaccine passports and that maybe this will all go away and there won't be that requirement so he's maybe he's thinking it's a short term issue and um, this time next year there won't be vaccine requirements perhaps so it would be interesting if in a year's time if we're still in the same situation if he does decide to th- change his mind because he might you know based on like, maybe further evidence you know he he's he, he's saying that it's up to the individual to choose so he might in a year's time say well, I've reassessed the situation and I'm going to have it now. So it's not to say he'll never get it, even despite what he said. I think it could potentially change. But I thought it was a, a decent interview. Um, I would have liked the interviewer to have digged a little bit more about the the convenience of that COVID test. You know, prior to, to the AO,
0: there was still a few. I feel like yeah, unanswered, mm. unanswered questions. But as you said, I think it was good to get his point of view out in the open and i think it was interesting in terms of you know his his stance on on future events and you know particularly i think it's so hard to know given you know the situation is so different country to country i mean even at the moment in the in the uk we're talking about getting rid of kind of all restrictions and rules um you know in place uh, at the moment by the government so you know in theory if if those go then yeah Novak Djokovic in my head should you know he should be able to play you know uh, uh, Wimbledon in the future but um uh, you know I think what I think for what for me will be interesting is how he is accepted back into you know into tennis by particularly I think by fans um you know because he's coming out with these these statements and you know people are gonna you know, people are going to have an opinion on that and they're going to probably voice that in the crowd. We saw that a little bit, uh, you know, in Melbourne and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't even there. So, you know, to see him, you know, in the the biggest of environments, you know, in, you know, maybe in the United States, we don't know if that's going to be a possibility yet, uh, you know, in the, you know, the sunshine double, uh, in, in next month or, you know, in, in Europe, in, in Paris or Wimbledon further down the line, uh, remains to be seen, but, um, yeah, it was uh, certainly a very I think it was quite refreshing, I think, in terms of yeah, him sort of coming out and sort of just, you know, giving his kind of two cents on the on the situation. But um it was um you know, he he it's, I think one thing for me that is clear, Kim, he is not backing down. Um, you know, he's not gonna it feels like he's not gonna anytime soon anyway, relent on on his situation and you know, for him it's his body that he wants to prioritise above Everything else above Grand Slam titles, above rankings, which you know, I think he's going to be dropping to Daniel Medvedev very times very soon. Um, the goat status as well, potentially. Um, he's willing to sacrifice all that for you know his health, and you know, fair, fair play to him. That's a situ- That's a call that he he has made. That's the sword that he wants to you know stand on. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, GOAT, That's yeah. You, know, you you know, you do you.
1: Yeah, you do you. Um, I, I did. I mean, my favourite bit of the interview went, was when he said that his son, Stefan, was basically a Rafa fan, had been supporting Rafa <laughs> in the, the Australian Open final. Big, uh, the highlight that was, for you? That was the big reveal, to be quite honest, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I thought that was a nice touch um, at the end of the of the interview. Um, but just talking about COVID vaccinations, Alex de Menor's had a bit of a a uh, troubling week, uh, surrounding his vaccination status because essentially there was a hospital in Madrid which is under investigation for providing false COVID certificates to some of its patients. Turns out Alex de Menor had his second vaccination at that hospital. So obviously, um, people put two and two yeah. together <laughs> and thought, oh, he must have got a fake, uh, COVID vaccine. But he's come out and said that's completely not the case i've had both my vaccines and, that social uh... media
0: post came out so quickly after the after that news broke, and i think i under, just like understandably so uh yeah just getting caught up i think in the wrong situation because from what from what i understand kim novak Djokovic is the only player in the top 100 who isn't who isn't vaccinated but same time i don't know if there's this paranoia about who's you know who's has anyone faked their their, their status in order to play events on the tour. I, I feel like that's a that would be a big scandal if that was that was true. And I know that there are still some suggestions around that with, with Novak Djokovic that we haven't really fully got the the answers to. But we can never. I don't think we can say that with any um with, with any sort of fact at the, at the moment. But um yeah, it does sort of feel like there's sort of a little bit of of paranoia, isn't there, around tennis players and. COVID passports and vaccination statuses, etc.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not going to go any, away anytime soon, I don't think, especially after the whole Djokovic um, incident. So let's hope that there's no uh, further troubles, I suppose. I mean, yeah, like you said, Djokovic is the only player in the top 100 who um, hasn't had it. But, um, we, well, let's see if there's any more stories that emerge. But hopefully Alex de will put that behind him. Um, let's have a look, Joel, at what's going on this week, because. Well, the tennis is already underway. Just seeing Contivate has one as well uh, as we're recording this out in Doha. Um, that's where the women are this week. Uh, well, a lot of the women, top women. Uh, it's the 1000 event out in Doha. Barty's not there. So Arena Sabalenka is the top seed um, and kuchikova is the second seed. Um What do you make of this? Who are we looking at uh, for this one? I can see we've already had an upset today with uh, Simona Halep losing to uh, Caroline Garcia. Um, Bit of an unexpected uh, one there, I have to say. But I don't know what was going on with Halep, but maybe Garcia was just good good for once.
0: I don't know if that, that loss um that loss to uh the, to Ostapenko the manner of the you know that third set which was a bagel and that tie break which was a, a bagel against Ostapenko has s- stayed with with Hallett because yeah you would certainly think and um, Caroline Garcia has been in dreadful form um you know the last few months I don't know if she's just magically rediscovered her form from what 2017 um I mean she must have done but um yeah, not uh, not the great, not not a great uh, result for Simona Halep, who, as I said, I thought has been been playing pretty good tennis apart from that uh, that Ali's Cornet result um in Melbourne. So um, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Kim also yesterday I was watching a bit of um Azarenka versus Putintseva, and it got very very heated towards the end. The handshake was very very ugly. Uh, Putinsva calling for a medical timeout, uh, with Azarenka serving to stay in the match. Um, she was not particularly happy about. I think she called, she called, she was caught on, on camera calling Putintseva a, she needs, she needs a psychiatrist, she needs psychiatric help, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, so we've already had some, we've already had some drama, but, um, yeah, in terms of kind of the draw, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm looking potentially at someone like, a. Uh, I think Contovit is probably the form player at the moment on the, the WTA tour. So I'm, I'm looking at her in, in terms of, can she, can she keep up and go all the way to the final? I think she's in the, the nicer half, um, you know, Svitolina and Mertens, Svitolina's already out, um, on Jabbour as well as coming back from injury. She, you know, got to the quarters last week. Um, so I think she's in quite a nice section of the draw. So, um i think quantavate could go and kind of continue potentially her run from the you know the in- <laughs> from her her run in the indoor hard courts to the to the outdoor hard courts
1: yeah or s ostapenko's already won her first match mm, so could yeah. she do two on the trot um one player i'm not going to go for is bedosa because she completely messed up my prediction last week i was uh, surprised
0: by i was surprised by that
1: Yeah, no, it was not a great week for her. Um, Rybakina and Kerber have also already lost. um, And Kvitova is the defending champion here. So perhaps she can uh, recreate that magic from from last season.
0: I mean, Ostapenko is in an awful section of the draw. I mean, it's just, again, I think she probably feel like she's playing uh, in Dubai last week with all the Grand Slam champions around her. She's got Muguruza, Krachikova. We've also got Anisimova over in there as a ranker. Uh very, very, very loaded that. Madison Brengel. Yeah, Madison Brengel as well.
1: Tenth ranked American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no, she'll probably go and do something now we've mentioned her. Um but yeah, we've also got the WTA two fifty out in Guadalajara, which is where Emma Raducanu has decided to play. She is the top seed there. Um do you think this is a good move? Um, you know, going to a a less salubrious tournament and, and kind of maybe giving yourself a better chance of going further. In it. Yeah,
0: I think, yeah, I think this was a smart move um, in terms of, yeah, less away from the spotlight. Um, Yeah. It's a WTA 250 going on at the same time, um, you know, top seed. Yes. There's a, there's always inevitably going to be some sort of pressure and expectation, but I mean, given the, the draw and I think the fact that a lot of players have chosen to go to, um, to go to Doha. Um, I think it should give her a chance to go deep and just get more matches and more experiences under her belt. I mean, she plays Daria Savil, uh, Daria Gavrilova, probably to to a lot of to a lot of our listeners uh, in the first round, and then she could, yeah. I mean, she's in a very nice, I feel, part of the draw. She could play Stone Stevens, who you know she obviously beat. Um, in the first round at the Australian Open in the quarterfinals. Um, interestingly, Kim Sloane Stevens has a 14 year old qualifier in the first round. I'm going to let you pronounce her name because I'm, I know I'll just be terrible at it.
1: Brenda Frivertiver. F- f- I think um, I remember seeing her name, I think in Wimbledon juniors a while back, but yeah, she's very young Um got Sloane Stevens. So we'll see if she can make a run at that at all. Um, also got camilla she's Osorio, half,
0: Sor- half sloan stevens age <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean yeah that that's kind of mad because you don't think of sloan stevens as being like you know no. old do you No, but- <laughs> she's 28 no <laughs> <laughs> um i see camilla asorio serrano has shortened her name yep. it's not maria camilla whatever it's camilla asorio yep. yep. now um <laughs> Is it the same woman? Yes, it is. Um, I mean, Madison
0: Keys is the second seed. She's there. Cerebus Tormo. Yeah. Yeah. So there's quite a
1: few difficult players um, in action. So Emma will have to, you know, hopefully the blisters are a sign of the past and she can get back out there. And um, yeah, it'd just be good to have her back on tour. And I think, yeah, it's nicer maybe to work your way in Uh, at a smaller tournament prior to kind of Indian Wells and and all of that I mean also in Mexico we've got the men's Acapulco event which I think is the one where you know the winner always gets a nice little sombrero to wear in the trophy ceremony Uh, Rafa is there but uh, he's not the top seed that is Medvedev of course and also Zverev is the second seed Um, and uh, Sitspas is also there as the third seed Norrie, um Norrie's there. Berrettini, you know, this draw is is very um very full of top players, shall we say. So um yeah, difficult one to pick. I hope Rafa has a good week. Uh be interesting if he plays Medvedev again, won't it? But um
0: Yeah, I mean that could happen in the, the semis. Um yeah, but it's quite a, yeah, it's quite an interesting draw for Rafa. It could have been a lot more difficult if if Riley had Pelker, I felt, had chosen um, to to go and, and not drop out because that would have been his first round. But I mean, yeah, with Cudler, and then he could play Dimitrov or Cressy. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like the Berettini, Beret, that is the seed you would want, I think, in, in in your quarter because, you know, that's a very good matchup, I think, for Nadal. But yeah, certainly all eyes on whether we'll get an Australian Open final repeat in that semi final.
1: Two wild cards Feliciano Lopez. And Fernando Vidasco are also there. Brilliant. Uh,
0: and and Mexican home hope, Alex Hernandez, Kim.
1: Yeah. I um, don't know who he is. Uh, I noticed that Chinese guy in the uh, one of the Golden Swing events last week that we talked about who had a wild card. Um, I think he had taken someone's place. I looked him up and he was like, 14 15 like he's very very young so probably his first uh, i mean jensen appearance. brooks
0: beat Alexander alexander's first round that's uh that's not uh that's not an easy match uh, i feel for zarev i could i could potentially see an upset there
1: yeah and um oh nori's got alcaraz um not Rublev. I think we were saying Rublev before. Oh, apologies. Yes. Apologies. Listeners. I was getting my I was
0: getting my champion. It's so much tennis. Oh, yeah, so it's ridiculous.
1: Tennis. There's there's many so many men's tournaments. It's it's confusing. <laughs> um, so we've also, in addition to Acapulco, we've got the Chile Open. Sorry, the Chile Dove Men Plus Care Open, <laughs> which Christian Garin is headlining as the home favourite. Uh, he's also the defending champion. Uh, Albert Ramos-Vanolas is the second seed. Um, I guess other notable players, yeah, Holger Rune, Sebastian Baez, um, uh, Francisco Serrondolo, very notable player there. Can't see his brother on the draw. Oh, no, his brother is there. Brilliant. Uh, they may play each other in the third round. <laughs> <laughs> there we go they can battle it out for us um so we've got that going on and also Dubai where Novak Djokovic is the top seed he's already through against Massetti, um and Rublev is the second one Rublev's playing Dan Evans that's why you got confused because it's a Brit uh, yes yeah.
0: yes apologies listeners uh yes oh uh, yeah I mean that's again I mean Novak Djokovic yeah, I mean, Andy Murray's on a wild card. He struggled through today against qualifier Christopher O'Connell. Could play uh, Yannick Sinner in the second round, or it could be Davidovich Fikina. Um As I said, Botic van der Zanchop had to pull out uh, of his match against Lloyd Harris because of testing positive for COVID. FAA and Shapovalov are in the same quarter. So, you know, I'm all eyes there on whether they could meet in an all-Canadian quarterfinal but Shapovalov has Fucevic in the first round which I feel like is quite tricky um and yeah FAA's got Bashashvili Bashashvili getting to the final in um uh in Deba- in sorry in Doha uh against Bautista Agut so not foregone conclusions and also big yeah big um you know <laughs> a trip from Europe into to the Middle East as well so um yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot of tennis going on we we'll have to see have to see how it goes Kim but uh yeah a lot of all the big it feels like all the big players are back and playing at the same time for the first time in, in a long time. Like both Rafa and and Novak on the tour at the same time at not a slam or a or a masters event.
1: Just not at the same place. Um they couldn't bear to be together. No, I think um uh, you know, Rafa normally plays Acapulco, he's won it before, so um hopefully he can do that again. Um but yeah, looking forward to all this week's tennis. Uh got some good good tournaments and matches lined up. Um, Fernando Vadasco is top of my list to watch tomorrow, obviously, as well as Rafa uh, when they're both, I think the schedule was due to be released. So for Acapulco. Um, But I think that brings us to a close for another week, doesn't it, Joel?
0: Yes, listeners, I hope you enjoyed listening to this latest tour catch up with The Passing Shot. Remember to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on. Stay up to date on the ATP and WTA tours. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you like what you're hearing then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on apple podcasts or spotify
1: and you can follow us on social media or contact us via email we're on facebook instagram and twitter at passing shop pod so do give us a like and a follow if you don't already and let us know your questions for the mailbag as well as any comments and feedback that you may have for us Uh, you can reach us via email PassingShotPod at gmail.com or also via our website at www.thepassingshot.co.uk
0: and we will be back next time at Passing Shot HQ to discuss the latest round of tournaments on the ATP and WTA tours how will Novak Djokovic get on in Dubai will Irina Sabalenka win in uh, Doha at the WTA 1000 we will soon find out but I hope you can join us for our next catch-up next Monday But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We will see you again soon.